Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back to another edition of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. It has been a while. We have not done an episode for a little bit. We took the, you know, right after the end of the season off, we let the playoffs go through. We watched it as fans. And now we're back. The draft is happening here in a couple of days. We've got free agency on July 1st, which means there's a ton of conversations about trades. Things are already happening. And I've got Brooke Laferno back with us on another edition to talk about it. Brooke, how are you? I'm doing great, Jim. It's great to be back, and we have a lot to talk about. It's been a pretty busy last 48 hours. Yeah, and we're not going to try to cram in like two months worth of episodes into this one Mm -hmm. because it has been almost that long since we've done one, but uh, we will talk about the pressing news, what's going on, the latest speculation. There are a couple trades that happened, and as we record this today, there was a big one. Uh, We had heard the Boston Bruins were looking to do something. Uh, Whispers and murmurs were that They might be franchise altering. I don't know this one qualifies as franchise altering, but it is big. It's a pretty whopper of a trade. Uh, Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno are going to the Chicago Blackhawks, who you know quite well. Uh, Anybody who's seen this on a video can see that in the background there. You cover them extensively. I want to get your reaction first before I weigh in here, because this is kind of your team. Uh, Taylor Hall, Nick Foligno, who's a pending UFA, but it sounds like they're going to try to sign him. Uh, being added to what the top six is even Felino a top six anymore. Is he a top nine anyway, to their forward group that will probably have Connor Bernard uh, this time, 48 hours from now. So what do you think? I think it's a great move. I honestly think Nick Felino was kind of a throw in. Like I think the Blackhawks are fine if he signs with them. And I think that's their goal and objective, but I think they're fine. If he doesn't, they do have a lot of like bottom six depth already but I understand the notion but overall I think it's a great move I know they were talking about wanting some top six um help for Bedard especially you know with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tay's gone there's not really a lot of balance there right now so and I think it's great it still doesn't really they had to spend a lot of money to get to the cap floor and right now even with Taylor Hall's contract it's only six million for the next two years it's not really hurting them at all so Kyle Davidson their general manager really stuck to their plan of not wanting to hand out so much term on a player wanting that flexibility and kind of just you know sticking to wanting to develop these players and he's got Taylor Hall to help develop Connor Bedard so it makes so much sense in the world I think for both sides obviously that's kind of a big loss for Boston I think but I understand that they needed the salary cap room. So overall, I think it's a great trade for the Blackhawks. I think everyone's very happy in that scenario. (laughs) I'm assuming this opens up the door to Tyler Bertuzzi extending in Boston. I mean, I know that was the conversation. You can't probably have both Taylor Hall and Tyler Bertuzzi. Mm -hmm. You don't have room with Taylor Hall on your roster to sign Tyler Bertuzzi. But there's a lot of talk that they would like to. It doesn't sound like contracts and negotiations have started in Boston for that yet. But I'm imagining this trade now opens the door for that to happen. So I foresee a situation where Boston is going to pitch a pretty big number to Tyler Bertuzzi. He'll effectively replace Taylor Hall, who is now in Chicago. I'm with you. I think this is a win-win for everybody. I don't know if the Boston Bruins are done. I would assume there's a lot more going on here. Like we're still waiting on word from Patrice Bergeron, uh, David Krejci. What's going to happen with the goaltending situation? Like are both line of seat, Allmark and Jeremy Swayman back. I don't know if that's going to like, this is the beginning of maybe something really, really big. I don't know. We'll see what else happens here. But I think it's a good start for Chicago. I wonder, what do you think Taylor Hall's thinking right now? Like, is he kind of like, okay, I'm leaving the President's Trophy winning Boston Bruins, who, you know, flopped in the playoffs, uh, admittedly. I'm going to Chicago, who is now going through a major rebuild. But I'm going to a team that's going to have maybe the best player ever drafted since Connor McDavid in 2015. So, What do you think Taylor Hall's headspace is right now? Is he happy about this? 
I actually thought it was funny when I saw the kind of notion behind the fact that he had a 16-team no-trade list and Chicago was not on it. So Boston was able to do this without his consent, so I guess it didn't matter, which I actually thought was humorous. And I guess he hasn't even touched that part of his contract since 2021, so it's not like he went and changed and adjusted it and took Chicago off of it or anything like that. But I don't think he's upset about that, if I'm being honest. I do think Chicago will now be maybe a more popular destination for players with Connor, just with Connor Bedard, knowing that he's going to be there. And I don't think Chicago is going to be competitive next season. I just don't think they're built for that. They don't really have the roster for it at the moment, but I do think they'll be more exciting. I think they might be kind of like the Sabres, like they weren't quite there yet, but they were fun to watch kind of thing. They'll definitely be better. And honestly, I know some Blackhawk pundits talked about possibly flipping Taylor Hall at the trade deadline if he over, um, overperforms kind of like with Max Domi kind of thing so he could still be on a contender so honestly I think this is good for him too I know he dealt with some injuries but he had a good playoff run so it almost is a chance for him to kind of have another good season I think so I think he's okay I think he's happy about it yeah it should be interesting I don't know what Chicago's gonna do I mean I'm I'm assuming they're probably gonna slowly build this thing up and not try to just level in this summer and all of a sudden have a contending team. I don't think that's the plan, but they could probably add some pretty significant pieces here this off season that will help them. You speed up this rebuild kind of like what the Rangers did, right? Like there's going to be real money coming loose from some of these teams. And we're seeing it already. Like Ryan Johansson went to Colorado with half of his salary retained. So he was 8 million, went down to four. That's a pretty good deal for Colorado. There's a lot of people that are going to be shipped off here. Uh, No salary retained in this deal for Boston, but, uh, there's going to be some of that happening. And Chicago has got lots of room and lots of space on their roster to do stuff. So I'm curious to see if they take advantage of some of these. I think this was one of those situations where they knew Boston was dumping and they thought Taylor Hall's a pretty good player. So we, we might as well do it. And I think they'll get Nick Foligno done too. I, I can imagine that he's probably going to stick around because his options in free agency are probably not great. You know, if you're looking around at his age and inconsistent track record, I don't think they're, everybody's going to be storming the gates to sign Nick Foligno this summer. So we'll see where that one goes. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois, the trade that never seems to happen, but we're all sort of waiting for it to happen. Montreal, Los Angeles. Those are the two teams that we're hearing. Uh, everybody knew about Montreal. I mean, if you've been following the story at all, you know and have heard that he's that's their his preferred destination. That's where he'd like to go. But of late, over the last, I'd say, what, 72 maybe four or five days. It sounds like the Kings are getting in on this and that he's really open to the idea of extending in Los Angeles so much so that the Jets have given the Kings an opportunity to talk contract extension with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Doesn't sound like from, according to Pierre Lebrun, that that's happened yet, uh, but that they are open to doing it, which has now brought Montreal back into the equation again. So if you had to make a prediction, where's he going? Do you think he's going to pick Los Angeles? Do you think he's going to, Montreal is going to step up here and try to grab him? What do you think happens here? I have to assume he's getting traded, though. No? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. I don't know why, but when you said that, I want to say if Montreal is in the mix, he's going to end up in Montreal because that was his preferred destination. I feel like that's literally all he and his agent have talked about since for the last maybe uh, two years. So, But something tells me L.A. I think L.A. is just going to be really aggressive here, and I think it makes all the sense in the world for them, too. They're, we saw against Edmonton. They're close. 
but they need something. And I know Pierre-Luc Dubois can be kind of um, inconsistent, but I think it'll help if he's in a place that he actually wants to be. Obviously, the talent is there. We talked about that already. So I do think ultimately it makes more sense for him to be in L.A., especially while they're being really aggressive. And obviously, they're a lot closer than Montreal as far as competing goes, I I believe. Mm -hmm. So I ultimately think L.A. gets this done. Well, L.A., if they can pull it off, is going to be a pretty strong team in terms of like their center depth and stuff, because they've got some really good pieces there already. Like that's not necessarily their weakness. Mm-hmm. And when you if you add Pierre Dubois to that roster, then all of a sudden you've got some pretty good players between Anze Kopitar and Philip Deneau. Um, You know, there's some good pieces there. Dubois fits in really nicely with that. So they'd be a dangerous team. Like for me, if they had Dubois, they're locked for the Pacific top three, mm-hmm. for sure. It's Vegas, Edmonton and Los Angeles. That, that seems like a no brainer to me, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out the leading the Pacific division. I think Edmonton is going to be a good team, but, and I don't know if Vegas is going to be as good. Maybe they'll take a step back. Maybe they won't, but I think for sure they're in that conversation. Montreal. I'm just very curious to see how much they step up here. Like, are they still confident after all of this talk about Los Angeles that, Dubois is going to be a shoe in to go there in free agency. Cause I think that was what they were sort of relying on. Right. Like they're like, okay, well, Dubois wants to come here. We'd like to have him. He'll just ride out that final year with the jets or some other team. And then he'll come to us in free agency. We won't have to spend any assets to get him. We'll just have to pay him. Now if the Kings are in this and Dubois is seriously considering going to Los Angeles. Then Montreal has got to be like, Oh, well, how badly do we want this guy? Mm-hmm. Right. Do we want to give up what it's going to take to trade for him? especially if Los Angeles is willing to give up like somebody like Gabe Velarde or uh, Quentin Byfield. Those are pretty significant assets going back to Winnipeg. So you got to match that, right? Otherwise Winnipeg is not going to do it. So that for me is really interesting because I don't know how much Montreal is going to step up here, how much they you know really covet this player and want him there. Or if they're thinking, you know, we can probably find somebody else. We were going to do this if it worked, but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. I think it's going to be Los Angeles. Like I wouldn't have said that six months ago, but mm-hmm. now I, I'm kind of thinking that's where it goes. It really makes Los Angeles strong if they mm-hmm. can do it. They're giving up some future uh, by making this trade, you know, giving up some pretty decent prospects to do it. But yeah, I see that's probably where it goes. Uh, what's your take on all this Philadelphia Flyers stuff? So here's what we know. Uh, Kevin Hayes is supposed to be moving. Travis Sanheim probably going to be moved. Uh, Scott Lawton, they're getting a lot of calls on him, but they're asking like the sun and the stars and the moon. So he hasn't been moved yet. Carter Hart is out there potentially. Uh, James Rizek's part out, out there potentially. There's a lot of pieces. Tony D'Angelo was almost traded back to Carolina, but apparently the NHL stepped in and said, nope, that's cap circumvention. You're not going to be allowed to do that one. So Philly's trying to get involved here. This is after trading Ivan Provorov and moving other pieces, right? So Philly's busy. Um, what is your take on all of this? Is this a matter of just like, yes, this is about to open wide here before the draft. Like Hayes is going to go and Lawton's going to go and, you know, Sandheim's going to go and, you know, D'Angelo's probably going to go. Or do you think this is all a lot of talk and these guys wind up staying there and the trades don't happen? Do you know what? I actually applaud Philadelphia for trying. I think they've been stuck, you know, in the dumps for so long. And then after their trade deadline fail, um, this past season where they didn't move anyone, I think they really kind of needed a fresh start. And now it looks like since they've kind of redid their whole front office, at least their general manager is trying to make something happen. They're trying to make the Kevin Hayes deal work. I think everyone knows that's just not a fit anymore. I don't see Travis Konechny staying. Um, and I yeah, think they got a pretty, 
Yeah, and I think they have a pretty good trade chip there. So I, I don't think. I do think that uh, this will be, um, there will be a lot of moves happening there. I think might now there's probably some snags that they've hit, but it looks like their GM, I can't pronounce his name. Um, is it Briere? Yeah, How Daniel do... Briere. Yeah, Daniel so Briere. It's, like, it's think... basically a triple tandem, right? It's Daniel Briere. It's uh, Keith Jones, who was just hired as the president of the team. And then it's um, John Tortorella as the coach, who's got a lot of say in what happens here. So the three of them are working all kind of in tandem on this. But yes, uh, Breer is the GM technically. So he's the one, I guess, pulling the trigger on all these deals. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, I, I appreciate him being aggressive. And I do think moves will get done here. But it's kind of unfortunate that it's hitting all these snags. But like I said, good for Philadelphia. They're finally moving in a positive direction. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm curious to see how how busy they are. Like, I also would like the downfall of this trade that didn't go through with Kevin Hayes and Travis Sanheim to St. Louis. Cause it sounds like the St. Louis blues asked Tory Krug, the defenseman to waive his no trade clause, which he didn't want to do. Uh, the whole story behind that one, if people don't know is that he was going to sign in Boston, Boston didn't want to give him the no trade clause. So he then wound up signing a very quick deal uh, with St. Louis when Alex Petrangelo went to Vegas and they lost him for basically nothing. St. Louis was scrambling like, Oh, who's the best Next best offensive defenseman we can get, well, Tory Krug. So they gave him big money and they gave him the no trade. Now all of a sudden they're going, oh man, wouldn't it be nice if we could move his salary off the team and send him to Philadelphia who wants him? But Tory Krug's like, no, I don't want to go to Philadelphia. Like, no, thank you. Um, so he's not yet waived his no trade clause to go there. He could still change his mind. Maybe Philly calls and says, look at this is what we're trying to do. We'd love to have you part of this thing. Maybe he changes his mind. I don't know. But he wants to play for a competitive team, and he put that in his contract on purpose because he didn't want to uh, have that situation where he could sign a big deal and then all of a sudden be traded because of it. So he's doing what he's well within his right to do. What do you think this means in St. Louis now? Like, you're Tory Krug. You know you signed this big deal. You know they don't really want you anymore because they think you're either too expensive or you're not worth it, and they're willing to take back older, expensive players for you. Is he ultimately just going to get moved? Like he's going to find a team that he's willing to say, yeah, sure. I'll go there. I don't really want to go to Philly, but I'll go there. And then St. Louis ends up trading him because it sounds like this deal with Philadelphia is probably going to get done anyway for Kevin Hayes, mm -hmm. just half retained and without Tory Krug involved here. Mm -hmm. But now you're Tory Krug and you're like, well, St. Louis doesn't really want me. So what am I supposed to do? Like, or do you think this is just fine? And they'll be like, yeah, whatever. He's well within his right. No players seem to care that much when this sort of thing happens. Everything will go back to normal. We totally fine. Where do you think this goes? I do think it's an awkward situation to be in if your team asks you to waive your no movement clause and you don't want to go to where they're going. Because like you said, then it means you know they don't really want you. And it's kind of just awkward. And I'm kind of thinking back, like with the Blackhawks, there was a rumor when Brent Seabrook was still playing that they had asked him if he would be willing to waive his no movement clause. And he said no at the time. That was the rumor. I don't know if that was true or not. But point was, there's a lot of awkwardness there if a team asks you to do that. So ultimately, I do think he's going to get moved. I don't think there's a way to kind of salvage something like that, like for Tory Krug's sake. And for his sake, too, I know he's 32, but he's still... I think is productive. I mean, he had 32 points in 63 games. I know his plus minus was not very good, but the St. Louis was not very good last year. So I do think he's serviceable, but I actually kind of applaud him for not moving the no trade clause. I mean, it isn't his right to do so. He signed that into a contract and he still has four years left on yeah. that contract. So it's not like he's waiving it to go for one year and seeing if that works out. So I get it. I ultimately think he gets moved to where though. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, it's going to be hard for people to take on that contract, especially this summer, right? Like, 
Mm-hmm. At the very least, he's probably going to play out this season, and then right. we'll see what happens when the salary cap goes up and people are little. Our GMs are a little less leery about giving bigger money or taking whatever. And if St. Louis is willing to retain some salary, then it makes it a little bit more whatever. But yeah, like, how can you blame the guy? Right? He's like, I'm leaving this team that I wanted to stay with. I'm coming to you. I don't want to be traded. So mm-hmm. if I'm doing this, I want to be with you. That's why I'm signing this deal. And then not even halfway through the term, they're looking to trade him already. So it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know if that's on the player for not playing in a way that makes St. Louis seem and look like he's indispensable, but they didn't apparently ask Justin Falk or Colton Perico or Nick Letty, any of those guys to waive their no trades, just Tory Krug. So if that's mm-hmm. true, that tells you a lot, right? It's like, okay, well, we have all these guys making maybe more money than they probably should be. You could be asking all of us to waive and then trading the person who makes the most sense for you. But no, you just asked me like of all the four, you just asked me. So I think that's interesting. I don't know what it means if they're really trying to move them and they're just going to have to find a team for him that he's willing to go to. Or if this was just a, yeah, well, we didn't really ask anybody else. We were just seeing what you were thinking and no big deal if you say no. Right. So I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, As we head into the draft here, we've got, what, two days before this is going on, and then we've got another two days before free agency. And the reason that I mentioned free agency is because uh, Austin Matthews, William Nylander, here's some names that they have two very important dates here. Uh, Austin Matthews, July 1st, his no-move clause kicks in, uh, no-trade clause, so he's basically got all the leverage in the world uh, to decide whether or not he wants to go anywhere if he's not sure he's going to sign in Toronto. Now, we're hearing that he's totally open to staying. They're going to probably get this done. It's just a matter of term, whether it's four or five years or eight years, which is what Toronto wants. William Nylander, I'm a little less confident about. I don't know how married he is to the Toronto Maple Leafs. sounds like he wants at least $9 million per season. He's got like a 10-team no-trade clause that kicks in on July 1st. So these are two players that maybe have to get moved. I know you had mentioned before we came on here that you haven't really closely followed this, and that's okay, but I just want your reaction just like, if you had to say a quick, yes, they're going to be moved. No, they're not going to be moved. Where do you think? Do you think Austin Matthews or, or William Nylander are going anywhere? Or they'll they'll wind up through uh, the draft and free agency with Toronto. I think Austin Matthews is staying, and I think William Nylander is going. I feel like, in my mind, just from what I've seen, it seems like William Nylander's always had kind of one foot out the door. Even though he's a big part of their core, it just seemed like something was missing there. It even took them a long time just to sign him. So... I, yeah, like I said, I feel like he's always kind of had one foot out the door, even though he's very productive and a great forward. But at this point, I just don't see how Toronto can keep that core together, even financially, not even because they haven't had the success they've been hoping for. But with Austin Matthews, something's got to give. And I think if it were up to the Maple Leafs, they'd rather have Austin Matthews. He's their cornerstone. And so if they can get it done and Austin Matthews wants to be there, which sounds more promising, like you said, than Nylander, I see Nylander leaving um, I really do, but, and that will be an interesting one too, because he'll have a really hot market, I think. Yeah. And I, I wonder if both of them stay, but I'm with you. I think if you're leading towards either one, I mean, honestly, if it's me, I don't know what's been said between the Maple Leafs and Austin Matthews to make Toronto really comfortable, comfortable and confident that he's not going anywhere. Like they, if this is like a David Pasternak situation, Boston, where they're like, yeah, we know we're going to keep the guy. It's just a matter how much and for how long. Or if they're more like, yeah, this is kind of like, we're not really sure. Like, we think he wants to stay here, but we don't know that for sure. Like a Johnny Gaudreau, if you're kind of like, we thought we had him, then all of a sudden we didn't have him. Um, So if that's where they're leaning, 
if it's the first and they think he's going to stay, I, I imagine they're not going to trade him at all. William Nylander, I'm with you. I'm not sure that they're totally whatever. So I want to ask you this next question. I didn't warm you up with this one, so I apologize. But I'll read you a tweet here, and it'll make a lot of sense. So Frank Saravalli just posted right now. Sounds like Elias Lindholm's agent met with the Flames today in Nashville. Calgary is resolute in their push to sign Lindholm. Money not an issue. Flames are ready to pay. They await an answer from Lindholm telling teams they will wait to hear before engaging in trade talks. Now, the reason I bring this up is because this is a popular player when it comes to William Nylander trade rumors, right? That maybe Calgary, maybe Toronto, there's something that could be worked out here, whether it's Tyler Toffoli from Calgary going to Toronto, or it's Elias Lindholm going from Calgary to Toronto. Like, there's been a lot of talk here. I don't know how legitimate any of this conversation actually is when you got former you know, GM of Calgary, Brad, you're living now in Toronto. Like, I don't know. Like, it's it's really whatever. Do you think Lindholm is probably going to wind up staying in Calgary? Because it looks like everybody wants to leave Calgary. Like nobody wants to be there except for who would own Uyghur. We don't even know if they want to be there, but they just signed. So they're probably stuck there. <laughs> but everybody's like, Backlund's leaving. Nahanifin's leaving. Um, Tyler Toffoli's leaving. Looks like Elias Lindholm's thinking he's might be leaving. What's happening in Calgary here? And does Toronto make sense to you? Yeah, I don't know what's going on in Calgary, but it's a hot mess. I thought maybe Daryl Sutter, it seemed like he was a problem there. Um, Like, just the players just did not like him. So, But now that he's gone, I thought maybe those problems would be kind of gone, but it doesn't seem like it. So something's going on in Calgary. I just don't know what it is. I think there's more to it than people are realizing that these players just want out. And like you said, maybe Huberto and Uyghur do want out <laughs> silently, but they can't, unfortunately. But I don't see Lindholm staying. I think... The, it started as he's leaning towards leaving, and I don't see that um, happening unless, you know, like I said, money talks, something might yeah, come well. up there. And to be honest, I'm not sure if Toronto makes sense in that way. If he's looking for a big payday, even Calgary, if they're willing to give it to him. But obviously he's looking for something, and I don't know if Toronto, knowing the Austin Matthews thing and kind of everything else, if that's really smart, even if it makes sense from a hockey standpoint to add someone like him. I'm not seeing Toronto, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, the only reason I would say if Toronto's in this, it's because Elias Lindholm sees them as a team that's going to win. Right. Right? Because mm-hmm. that's the that's the thought thought here is that he in Calgary has said, oh, I'd be open to staying here, but you guys are going to suck. Right? Yeah. Like, I need to know that that's not where we're going here. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, if everybody's leaving and this team is going to look like a rebuild situation, I don't want to be here. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. I don't know if it's money. I mean, obviously it's money. Elias Lindholm is a really yeah. good player. He's undervalued in terms of what he's being paid right now. So he's going to get a nice bump. He's going to get it from anybody. Calgary's going to way overpay him to keep him. Mm-hmm. Um, but does he still want to get some money and play on a team that's going to win? And I think the answer is probably yes. Now, mm-hmm. is there a fit there in Toronto? To me, I don't know that I would do it. He's a pretty good mm-hmm. player. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if I'm Toronto right now, if I'm replacing one of the faces of my core four and just putting another face in there. Right. Like you want to move away from this whole core four mm-hmm. conversation. And if you can do it by moving a Nylander and getting two maybe less star quality players, and now it's a, you know, um, fabulous five or a sinister six <laughs> or whatever the situation is, right? Like you've got more pieces to take some of that pressure off those four names in, in Toronto. So I'm thinking if I'm moving one of those four people, I'm not getting a player of equal or similar value back just to change the face like you got to make a bigger change than that so i like lindholm but i do think he's probably leaving calgary but if he stays i don't know what that number is gonna look like it's like if frank sarvelli's tweet is accurate and money's not an object and they're like going we'll give you whatever the heck you want just don't leave Mm -hmm. like yikes 
That's not a good sign. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not a good situation for Calgary, right? Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't assume that Huberto or Uyghur would have signed those two extensions had mm-hmm. they known then what they're hearing now, right? Mm-hmm. Like all these people are leaving. Like the only one that said they're coming back is Jacob Markstrom. Yeah. That's like it. That's the only one who's like, yeah, I'm a pretty big deal around here. I- I'm planning on returning. Everybody mm-hmm. else is like, nah, I'm not going to sign again. Like I'm going to yeah. test the waters, right? Maybe it's just contract stuff because of the cap, but. I think it's probably Calgary. Like, I think Sutter just killed that team. So, yeah, there's something more there. I just don't know what it is. The fact that all these players just went out. Yeah, like, there, there's probably a lot of bitterness there, like, towards the organization for allowing that to go on so long that they're mm-hmm. like, you know, whatever, he's gone, but still screw this. Like, this is yeah. this was ugly. This is not what we wanted at all. Mm-hmm. Crazy. All right, so you think uh, Connor Bedard's going number one for sure to Chicago, right? Um, yes, I do. And it's funny because the director, the Blackhawks director of amateur scouting, I think he was kind of smoke screening when he was kind of like, I still got work to do when it comes to the number one pick. And when talking to the media, he was kind of like, talk to me like Connor Bedard is not going number one, meaning like I still have work to do, even if he's thinking that in his brain. But there's a lot of smoke screening, I think there. But yes, I think he's going number one. I think Emily Kaplan tweeted that today, too. She was like, Connor Bedard's going number one to Chicago. It's yeah. happening. I don't think there's any really room for questioning anymore. <laughs> I can't imagine why you wouldn't. Like, there's some really good players in this draft for sure. Like, in any other year, maybe two and three uh, mm-hmm. could be number one in other drafts. But, I mean, Bedard is incredibly good. Like, how do you pass right. on that? Like, even if you hit a home run with a Fantilli, you know, whatever. But you'll be the people that always passed on Connor Bedard. Like you, you just can't do that. So my last question before we close it off, how many trades do you think we're looking at here in the next couple of days and at the draft, like over under, are we looking at like half a dozen major trades between now and the draft? My first number that came into my mind was 12 and I'm not saying 12 major trades. Some of them could just be, just kind of innocent swapping of draft picks. But I do think it'll be a very busy one, especially knowing that the cap is going to increase and they're not kind of as stuck as they once were. And obviously a lot of players wanting out Mm -hmm. now. So I do think it'll be, and because it's a deep draft, so a lot of things will be moving, I think. Yep, I'm with you. I think there's going to be a lot of action here, uh, even in the days leading to the draft. And I think because of the names involved in this year's selection and the top 20 being as wide open as it is past the top four or five. I think there's going to be a lot of lists where somebody had a player at like number eight that another team had at like number 17. And so that team's going to trade down and team's going to want to trade up. And there's going to be to do that is going to be very expensive. So I think you're going to see some pretty big names moved here. So yeah, I'm over on this, the half a dozen for sure. Uh, between now and the end of the first round, I wouldn't be shocked if there's at least 10 major trades. Mm-hmm. Like I know that sounds like a big thing and it is, but I can see it happening. I just think this is prime time, especially with this crop of, of prospects and so many teams want to move money around and get ready for the first. Mm-hmm. Like I think some of these teams at the bottom end, whether it's Chicago or Anaheim or, you know, like they're going to make out like bandits here. Um, they're yeah. going to take advantage of some really awkward situations. Good for them because they've got the money to do it. Yeah. Well, thanks. I appreciate you coming on here and talking again. Uh, let's have another one after the draft is over and we'll see if we're right. If there's that this many tra- trades, trads, trades between now <laughs> and the draft, uh, then we're going to have plenty to talk about. So let's, let's do that. Let's hop on here again after the draft is over. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. I think, like I said, the last 48 hours or anything, and there's a lot going on there, then I assume the draft will be a literal zoo. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll be fun. All right, Brooke, thank you very much for everybody else. This has been another edition 
of the NHL Trade Talk podcast. We appreciate you coming back. It's been a little while since we did one of these. We took a break. Uh, we're now rested and ready to go and looking forward to the draft, the free agency, the schedule for the NHL is rumored to come out here like the next 48 hours. So we're going to see mm-hmm. what some of these games look like and who the matchups are going to be against. So there's going to be lots to talk about, and we'll do that uh, at least once a week here on the show. Thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you in the next one.